Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Hi, hello, how are you doing? My name is Lillian and you're listening to Africa Tech Radio. And of course, you know that it is time for Back to Base and I'm Back to Base. What do we do? We have a chat with tech founders because we want to humanize them. We want to let you know that these people are flesh and blood. It's the same thought that runs, well, somewhat sometimes can be the same thought that runs through your mind, that runs through their minds, but... They are humans, okay? They are not super you know, humans. They have amazing, you know, ideas, but they are still humans. This is just, just so um, we can let you know that you can achieve whatever it is you want to achieve in this world. And today, I'm going to be having a chat with a young man whose name is Moses Enengwali. Please, I'm sorry. Just tell me how to pronounce your surname. <laughs> you tried, you tried. Enengwali is fine. Enengwali. <laughs> ah. My my yes. parents will be so shaking their heads. This is my daughter. <laughs> it's so nice to have you on board. Amazing. So in Nigeria, logistics and shipping means getting things from one place to another, and it can be hard because of things like bad roads, customs rules. We don't want to get into custom rules right now, and the challenge of getting these items to the owners in one piece like they'll start telling you ah the thing that i bought the screen has scattered on the and even getting to them at all right and despite these numerous issues founders face in the industry people are working tirelessly to make it better by fixing the glitches they're using new technologies and finding smarter ways to navigate the ecosystem and i have always wondered you know some companies are really struggling in that industry but others are thriving. What is their secret? And that is what we're here to find out. Today's topic is unveiling the secrets of successful logistics and shipping operations through the lens of Topship. And we have uh, the founder of Topship, Moses, in the building. Hello, Moses. Hi, Lillian. Nice to meet you. Nice to be here. I'm really excited that you joined us today. You have no idea. So we're going Thank to you. we're going to start from the bases because this program is called Back to Base. So we're going as far as possible. And right. I want to start with whether or not you had any slightest idea that you were going to be a tech founder ever, like in your whole childhood. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So I think I think I've always wanted to be I always wanted to be a business person, a businessman. I think both my parents are, are entrepreneurs, and so I think it's just it was just in our blood growing up. So there's always that entrepreneurial spirit. But tech specifically, I think there's a lot to do with the times that I was coming of age. You know, it was sort of um, tech was what, what was the tool that everyone was using to solve problems, and so it made a lot of sense that I would that I would fall in that in that category the same way a lot of people that my peers as well fell in the same category but i think yeah the combination of those two things so the entrepreneurial spirit has always been there but tech specifically is a function of the times i would say so when you said you said that you wanted to be into the going to business what kind of business are we talking about so so funny thing when i was in university i started my first business in university and this was because i was born and raised in uh joss in plateau state Hmm. and and when I went to university in Hertfordshire in the UK, so but my mom worked at the Bank of Agriculture and she had told me many times about how post-harvest losses and supply chain issues would affect delivery of the final goods, so tomatoes or whatever, coffee, cashews that were growing in Plateau States to anywhere they wanted to distribute. And of course, that affected their market size, affected how much they could make it, affected a lot of things. When I went to university, I got the idea with a friend of mine who was also a classmate too, 
I, I had known that Plateau State has very good Arabica coffee beans, almost grade A Arabica coffee beans. And so the idea was we'll get these Arabica coffee beans green from, from Plateau State and would we'll move it to Hertfordshire uh, in the UK and we'll roast it and blend it and then distribute it. And so charge a markup and then distribute it to coffee shops around, around the school. And so, of course, they launched under the university's umbrella and started running the business. It was called Time All Coffee. And we distribute imports and distribute coffee into the UK. Of course, looking back 10 years now, it's funny that I'm in, I'm in, I'm in absolutely the supply chain and importation business. But that was that was my first business. And so it, it was it was that was the first time I actually forayed to like ventured into into business to run a business and, and to make money from from you know providing a service or a value. Yeah. That seemed like a very solid plan. What happened to that? Right. So, of course, we were running it under the university's on incubator, right? It was me, my friend, and a couple of other people. And, of course, running a business under the university's incubator, it sort of seemed like a project, not a real business. So, at the moment we graduated school, we had to convert it into a real business. And you had to pay taxes, and you had to do all those things that a real business would have to do. It's no longer a university experiment. <laughs> and so, when we did the math, uh, it didn't make sense anymore. It wasn't math exactly. <laughs> um, our margins were already super thin, and this was it was a no go. So, and then of course again, um, we, we we now got real jobs, right? I got a job at Ernst and Young. Friends of mine got jobs at Barclays and Citibank, and so it was like, a, mm, should we consider this our hustle, or should we go and take proper white collar job and make collecting better money? So we we all sort of made the decision that you know what, it's time it has run its course. Let's move on. It was also also in retrospect, it was also very challenging to run. To be very honest with you, we were eighteen, nineteen at the time. We didn't really know what we were doing. Um, and we lost a lot of money just because of inexperience and lack of essential relationships. So it was also bad timing. You know, it didn't it didn't make sense financially. So we decided to move to greener pastures, so to speak. For a you you say you're teenagers, right? Running that business for a teenager to have that kind of business idea, it is mind blowing. And I think we should have more of that in the world today. But you know, the the focus is shifting. What do you think is the reason, before we dive into how Topship came about, what do you think is the reason that some, a tiny population of the world, they, as, as young as they can be, they are already focused, they are already thinking, they are already thinking out of the proverbial box, while the others are, in my former boss's voice, faffing? Right. So to, to, to be very honest with you, I, I'm always a look on the bright side guy, right? And I, I would say there, there are more businesses being started now than ever before. I think, I don't think there's, there's, there's been the rate at which small business, the rate and the ease at which small businesses can be started now. I think it's unprecedented. I don't think it's happened ever like this before. So looking on the bright side, we have more people that are starting businesses and it's also easier, right? Right now you start a business with just, just your phone and an Instagram account and you literally evolve the business. So, so in, in the grand scheme of things, it's significantly better, right, and easier. You have more support now. One thing that definitely helps is seeing other people like you do it. Um, and so you know that, okay, I can actually do it myself. When you see 16-year-olds start businesses and and, talk and sell themselves or sell things that they're passionate about and they're good at, it gives you the inspiration and emotion that you can do the same thing. So I think that that, that definitely helps. Uh, but, but, I mean, I think people progress in, in different phases, especially young people. And so it's very easy to look at yourself at 18 and say, oh, I'm not starting a business. I, you watch social network and you see Mark Zuckerberg and you feel like, oh my God, what am I doing in my life? But I think, again, life is not life is not a, a sprint race, you know. I think everyone, people people evolve differently. 
And um, but I think looking on the bright side, to be very honest, I think n now more than ever before, small businesses are being started in an unprecedented manner and are being scaled. And it's just so so much easier now than even when I was starting at the team, when I started my business, all the tools that you have now, we didn't have them then. Right now you can collect payments online, there's Stripe, there's Paystack, you can start, there, there's so many tools for creating e-commerce brands. You don't have to hire a contractor to build a website for you. So many things have changed. So I think it's, it's just a whole new world. And I think that that's the rate at which small businesses are started by young people would continue to rise going forward. When I saw the social network, I I thought about my life for about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely triggering. Oh my gosh. Like, seriously, what am I doing with my life? When somebody that young is pulling that kind of string. But do you think that upbringing is a major factor to this? Do you think, because I, I actually had, I have this um, idea, or would I say idea, a philosophy of, call it whatever you want, that a child that has not seen a plane before cannot dream to modify an aircraft or um, be an engineer on a plane like you have to actually see sometimes right see that you can actually achieve this to be able to achieve better than that do you think that environment and upbringing is a big factor to you know the dreams that our young ones have 100 percent. i think i think it plays such a huge role in just forming your worldview um if when if you've seen your if you've seen your parents your father and your mother stay up all night making phone calls trying to sell trying to push their business day after day you know year year after year it does something to you right it instills work ethic in you you see that you see how things are how things get done in the world and i think that changes just the way you are as a human being so i think it has absolutely a lot to do with it and i think it doesn't even have anything to do with um rich or poor i think it's just seeing those values in display while you're growing up and it could be from parents or from people around you while that's circle. it could be also be from friends it could also be from external influences you know but just seeing those values in play and how those values transform things in the world just does something to you growing up so i think that that's definitely a big a big factor and like i said i grew up in a very entrepreneurial family my both parents are entrepreneurs i saw my dad go through so many phases as an entrepreneur i think that definitely did did something to, to not just me but also my siblings so yeah i believe that upbringing has a lot to do with it we're going to go back to this later i'll come back to this later so that you can tell us how you or we can just do that now word a word to parents in general to to the shaping of their kids for instance i i grew up with a very hard-working mom my mom my mom works hard Right. And it instilled that work ethic in me that no matter the kind of job I'm doing, even if I'm not earning as much, I put my 100% and, and, and add a little 20 to it because I have seen it. Right. What should yeah. parents do to enable this kind of, um, you know, ethic, work ethic being instilled to their kids? So I mean I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm qualified to give you <laughs> parents are. advice, but but I, but I but I do I do think that I do think that um, just understanding that the values that you live your life by are being have have an impact on 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 the people that are watching children family around you i think that just that's just um that's the important thing to note because not everyone will be the same right not everyone is entrepreneurial some people are you know have different value, other values some people there's more patience and calm some people have more drive and aggression some people with different values and they're different they have their they have their part roles to play in the world and in the grand scheme of things so i think it's just having that understanding that look whatever you're doing however you treat your work has an impact on 
on the people on the people around you if you're detailed and, and driven and, and and optimistic about your work and enthusiastic about your work you'll see that your children of course will also start to emulate those values in whatever uh, sphere of life they decide to play and i think those values will always show themselves and i think that that's definitely been my personal story so far and the story of also people that i know friends and colleagues is just seeing seeing the seeing the people ahead of you parents or guardians uh live by those very core values of work ethic and integrity etc um they just, it has it has a has plays a, plays a lot a, a very huge role in the way they are framed as human beings and how they also treat their work and, and whether or not they take their work importantly and, and are driven about what they are passionate about what they do i think it plays a very huge role yeah, children are always watching. That is something that is a thing that a lot of parents forget. Whatever you do, and they watch. And at a point in time, you 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 stop being like a god to these children. They start seeing you like a human being that you are. You know, when we are younger, you see, oh, my father is a super superhuman. But then you go and say, okay, he's just a man, right? And it, that is the exact time they will know you for what you really are. So just be a stand-up man or a stand-up woman. Okay, so you have. Your friends and you and your friends have decided that you know what I want to be. I want to see that I realize I'm taken care of. I want to stop this this exploitation and importation. <laughs> you know, I, I, this kind of job is not is it's not good for my mental health. So you you have decided to push. <laughs> <laughs> you have decided to push that aside, and yeah. you got a job. Where did you get get a job? So I personally, I got my first job was at Ernst and Young. Uh, it's a big four consulting company, EY, and I was posted to the. I was an I was an associate in the international tax services and transfer pricing division, and I, and you know that was my first job. It was in the Lagos office, and you know you know in retrospect, really really grateful for the opportunity to work there, to work with the clients that we worked with, that I worked with, to to work with the colleagues that I worked with as well. I think it was a very I think it was an amazing opportunity. Um, essentially, what the work was was basically pricing intercompany transactions between multinational corporations properly based on the OECD transfer pricing guideline that was just released and implemented in Nigeria. So it was very, very novel in Nigeria at the time. I think when I started, it was the first year of implementation for transfer pricing uh, rules here, here in Nigeria, just 2014. So it was an interesting time as well. We felt, we felt like pioneers at the time, especially in a very um, traditional industry like tax. Transfer pricing was a new thing. So I, I was very happy to, to, to have that opportunity and to work with the clients that I worked with. So yeah, that, that was my first first job. Where did you study again? And what did you study? So I, I studied economics and finance um, at the University of Hertfordshire. Okay. So after yeah. that that job you had, you were enjoying your life. Sweet money was coming in and, you know. Oh, no, no, sweet, actually no. I mean, <laughs> That's what I thought. Really? It was. It was. Look, it was more. It was more for the experience and learning and the prestige that the brand name comes with than mm. it was for the money. Mm. It was a very humble beginning, right? It was if a I very ask you how how humble was that humble beginning? Now it's more than other people's, you know. <laughs> So, so yes, of course, everything, everything in puts in perspective, of course. Mm -hmm. right? But, but it was, it was, it was a very humble beginning. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of, and and again, we're entry, we're first year entry level associates. So we're doing all the, all the 
not so fancy work, right? The number crunching, you know, the following up with clients, chasing receivables, all etc. Cetera, et cetera. So and writing reports at the same time, working nonstop, right? So it was a lot of work. And the work the culture in these big four consulting companies is very the work the work ethic that they instill in the people that work there. I mean, you can I'm sure you've heard stories, right? So it was a lot of work. It was far from uh far from you know the expectation of what the situation we had, which was, you know, always not working in the corporate world, it's probably not as stressful as running the business. So I'm surprised it was actually, to my surprise, it was actually um, a lot of work and a lot of stress. Um, and so, no, it was not, it was not all rosy, <laughs> but I was still happy to be there. Uh, I'll take your word for it, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> until I know exactly what we're talking about, then... <laughs> Okay, so what next? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at liberty to be I know. And as I said, I know. I won't ask you, and I know you wouldn't say. But I'm sure that it's, it's better than some people's present situation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened next? Where did you work next? Yes. So, so I mean, of course, I was there um, doing the work, enjoying the work, growing the company. Um, and then, as at the same time, you know, um, there was a lot of the, this was 2015, 2016. So if you remember in Nigeria at the time, that was when tech really started to get in, get in, get into the system, right? And a lot of people were using tech, especially e-commerce, to solve some very basic problems in Nigeria at the time. So I was very interested in that, um, uh, and, and I was very interested in all the different potential problems that could be solved with tech right so attention was drawn to this and and for me i was also very interested in how i could play 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 a role as well so and i kept thinking about it right i didn't want to be a partner at einstein young i didn't want to play the long game there and so i kept thinking of okay where do i where do i want to play where do i want to pitch my tent and i decided i was going to be tech because i wanted to be able to solve important problems and so one day, I, I, of course, I was searching for who I potentially work for, and of course, I went, I went straight to the some of the big, the big guys there that were leading at the time. So one of the people that I, I, I reached out to was uh, the found, one of the founders of Jumia in Nigeria, called Tunde Kende. I reached out to him and I said, "Look, I've seen what you've done, what you guys did with Jumia and the company that they started before Jumia. I think it's very impressive, and I would love to come and work with you." And and he responded saying, "Okay, come to my office." I think the following week. And so the following week, I went to his office and we had a three-hour conversation around about e-commerce logistics, asked me a bunch of questions. And I think the week after that, he made me an offer uh, to come and join them at, at the company. And it was a tech company, first tech logistics company in Nigeria at the time. It was called Ace, Ace.ng. And so I, dis- I made the very unpopular decision to resign my work at Ernst & Young, my, my glossy job mm. at Ernst & Young. And go and join this tech startup as a sales associate, basically. Uh, took a pay cut, and and that was that was my next move. So I left Ernst and Young, and I moved to Ace. What year? What what year was this? So this was 2016. Wow, it was 2015 into 2016. Yeah, you don't take for this game. Or- <laughs> and you look like you're just a fresh graduate like what's what's your routine how do you do it uh, what do you eat and no, no. um, that one is just the grace of god mm-hmm. that one is just the grace of god mm-hmm. well, doesn't look good on you <laughs> that's just the grace of god okay so walk me through the next steps yes 
so so of course joining ace was a was to me very i i call it my baptism in business right um or or at the very least my baptism into into tech and it was a true baptism right the culture there was very get your hands into the deep and that was what i did right so i was doing sales and very quickly i rose through the ranks got promoted multiple times during my time there did a bunch of things but i really enjoyed the challenging environment and i enjoyed how fast everything moved there compared to where i was coming from i like the fact that i could own my destiny in the environment that and that my work rate and my work ethic there was a direct relationship between effort and reward and i could see it every day right um, and so i was very excited even though i was broke in my pockets right because i was I took a pay cut right a, a significant pay cut and because it was a startup they can't pay you like ui mm-hmm. right but even though, even though i took that pay cut i was excited every day going to the office i was excited about the challenges we were facing right i was still up all night thinking about work and i liked that feeling and so i did that for for a very long time there and i, I enjoyed the ride there and then of course at some point in that journey some of the founders of one of the biggest e-commerce uh, companies in, in in Nigeria at the time, also as well called Tracklist, they were one of our clients at Ace, and they reached out to me and said, "Look, we we've enjoyed working with you. We want to start something to solve a very serious problem that we've seen in the supply chain market here in Nigeria, and that is the lack of software for the players that are available. And we want to start this, and we want you to come and join us." join us on it and so i took some time thought about it spoke to them a couple more times and they made the decision to go and join them to build this because i said okay you know what i'm enjoying what i'm doing here this is an opportunity to, to, to do even more at something even earlier um so i took another unpopular decision to leave the even low slow pain uh, job at ace and join another early even an earlier <laughs> startup <laughs> with even less money so this was two two seemingly bad decisions in a row um and and I decided to join join this new company uh, to to help them build their their product, and so that was the decision that I made, and that, that was the next move. We are talking to Moses, the founder of Top Ship Africa, and we're trying to find out how he actually founded that company, and it has been you know an interesting conversation so far. So let's just dive into it, right? Well, now let's just dive into how and when you decided that, okay, this is what I wanted to do. Yes. So so I think the decision was made for me as opposed to me deciding that I was going to make that decision. I think in, in 2020, the world took a very sudden and un- unprecedented turn. And what happened was basically, without anyone expecting it, basic essential services shut down across across the world. And this was unprecedented. I don't think this has happened in the last hundred and something years. And so this was a very unique time, right? And at the, at the time, because I've been in this industry for a while now, um, I, I had a lot of, you know, people with contacts within the, within, uh, especially shippers that, you know, that would reach out to me especially in this during this lockdown period, you know, and a lot of them would have either suggestions or tips or, so, you know, oh, we can do it this way. I know that everyone is locked down, but what about this? And what about this? And what about that? And, oh, I have this, re- I have someone that has, has this request and I have someone that has that request. And so in the midst of that, that chaotic, you know, request uh, search for solutions, uh, the idea to use some of the capacity that was on ground that was dormant, but able to move around, to make deliveries for cargo and freight came up, which was basically, we can use a lot of these assets because they're dormant now. People aren't traveling around, people aren't moving around for work. There's all these assets on ground, but people are still moving things. In fact, that has gone up 3X. Hmm. 
right? And so there's, there's un, un, unreasonable demand, unprecedented demand, and unprecedented dormancy or underutilization of assets. And so it was connecting those two things. That was basically how Topship was born. And it was, of course, in the, in the whole, the nucleus of everything was COVID-19 COVID lockdowns, right? So it was a, an interesting time to actually experiment with what we were experimenting with. And so that was the idea behind Topship. And we just started helping these merchants that were reaching out. So it started from the market first. It started from the merchant first. It didn't start from uh, the tech first or, oh, I want to start a company first or, oh, I think a logistics company would make sense first. No, it was basically, there's this funnel of demand that's coming in and solutions and suggestions and ideas, and we need to meet it, or I need to meet it. And so we created a vehicle to do that. And of course, like I always say, it wasn't. It didn't start as a company initially. In June 2020, when Topship launched, it wasn't a business. It was just a hustle, basically. Uh, it was, it was let's help these people with this because I, I know I know how to help them. I know I know a thing or two about how to connect with these people that have the assets, and I can help you guys. And that was the idea behind Topship. But of course, as time continued to go, they kept coming back, and we started to see even more problems. Um, and that's where I realized that okay, there's something here that we should pay attention to and probably crystallize. And that was basically how that was basically the story behind how Topship was born. Um, yeah. Okay, if we through the lens of Topship. Right. What are some key fa factors that contribute to the success of logistics and shipping operations in today's competitive market? Because we know that there are lots of um, of companies that doing that are doing the same thing in this logistics um, shipping ecosystem. So, what are those key factors that contribute to the success of a logistics and shipping operation? Yeah. So that's actually a very very good question. So a couple of things. The first thing that I'll say, and I'll always say this, is merchants having a merchant-focused approach. Because a lot of the time, it's very easy to, to focus more on the, on the industry as opposed to focusing on who the shippers are. And so I think one of the main things, key factors to actually winning is focusing on the shipper, focusing on the merchant. So having a merchant focus is ex ex extremely critical, especially based on my thesis, on, on our thesis as, as a business. So I, think, I believe that that's 100% very, very essential. The second thing that I'll say is utilize uh, tech, use tech uh, to make your life easier. There are a lot of tools now that's, that have been, um, that, 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 that are available as a result of the rapid changes that have happened over the last 20 years, 10, 20 years, that makes it complete, it makes a lot of difference. So utilizing platforms, utilizing tech to simplify things, to get information, to, to, to access routes that you don't have capacity in, I think that that's absolutely essential uh, to building a business, especially in 2023, a business in supply chain or logistics. But then of course, again, the, the, the last thing that I'll say the third thing that I'll say is extremely important is an obsession with uh, customer success. Uh, you must be, you, there has to be that obsessive focus on the experience. And the reason why it's extremely important is because if you think about the logistics business industry in general, it's one of those places where people almost always expect that there will be problems. And it's like the default, the expectation is so low because they're like, oh my God, I have to send something to, I have to courier something. I know that I know that there's going to be a lot of things that it's going to be, you already have a headache, right? So th that's why I believe that that obsessive focus on customer excellence and customer success is essential for winning, especially now, uh, because it might be a crowded market, but there are very few players that get it right in terms of treating the customer well, giving the customer an amazing experience. So that is three things that I would say that I'll say uh, are extremely critical. Merchant, having a merchant focus uh, and utilizing tech and platforms 
to optimize and then obsession with customer success. Okay, let's talk about challenges because there's no way any successful company would go without challenges. If I am interested in starting my own logistics and shipping company, what are some challenges that I should, you know, expect or look out for? Of course, through yeah. the lens of top ship. Yeah, of course. So I, I would say I would always say when you're starting any enterprise, uh, dealing with people is going to be the most difficult thing. Um, and that's people across board, your teammates, customers, partners, stakeholders. There's a whole, there's a whole there's a long list of, of people that you are going to have to interact with. It's going to be difficult. It's going, there are going to be challenges. Um, if, for example, you can ask anyone that runs a logistics business or a dispatch business or whatever, and they'll tell you dealing with managing those dispatch riders, that's a lot of work. Managing your partners, a lot of work. Managing your customers' expectation, explaining things to them, that's a lot of work. So it's, it's a, that's the biggest part, so the biggest uh, mountain to cross. You have to find a way to have that customer service ethos so that it's part of your culture because you're going to be dealing with a lot of challenges from people, from different people. So I think that that's one of the bigger, the, the bigger problems, right? But then also another big problem, that, a big challenge that, that still exists in the industry today is just going back to our beginnings as, as a company, you know, my belief and which I believe to be true is that the problem with the supply chain industry as it stands today, especially in Africa, is not, it's not, a, it's not a lack of capacity. Um, it's a lack of access to the, to all the different components. So access to the information, how much capacity is available, uh, what are the pricing points for the, the commercial pointers for that for that for all the all those assets on the ground. So it's never been a lack. Of, it's never been a lack of assets or lack of capacity, right? But all the different connecting points, touch points to get to that that, that, that to, to initiate and to engage those assets. That's been the challenge, and that still exists because yes, they are. Both Buses everywhere, there are vans everywhere, there are planes everywhere. Some of them, containers everywhere. Some containers even go back half empty. Some containers come full from China, they go back empty. Right? So there's capacity there, all those assets on ground. But how do people know that, okay, there's a container at the terminal in the papa that is leaving tomorrow, the price points are X, these are the terms, and engage. Right? That, that information is not available on any platform. You're going, you have to call your agent, and the agent calls all these other agents. So that's still a very big problem, still a big gap. Um, and that's, of course, what companies like Topship try to solve. So I think that those are the two big problems, right? Of course, they are traditional and, and you know, the, the, the basic basic problems that you would always face when you start any business, but specific to logistics, I think those are the two big problems. So you talked about how, you know, these problems are, or this one of the last challenges you mentioned is something that Topship has tried to, you know, tackle. But what are the other innovative strategies or technologies that Topship has put in place to differentiate itself from other players again it's it's coming it's coming back to some of the three things that i mentioned uh, around factors of success i believe that these are key key differentiators for us i think the first thing is we have as part of our dna as a company just going back to our story about how we started we've always had that merchant focus so we are we are we are obsessive about the merchants we focus on the merchants right and this is it sounds cliche but it, it actually means something in our industry because there are two ways to solve supply chain problems. You can solve it from a demand point of view, which is the merchant, or from the supply side, which is you know service provider capacity, boots on ground, etc. 
um, we, we've chosen the demand route because we believe that the merchants is the center, just in terms of the, the info, level of information you can get from them, their willingness to, to give you that information, their willingness to work with you, uh, and they are, the, they are the demand source, they are the aggregation point. So it's a very critical component of the entire chain. So I'll say the first thing that we've done to differentiate ourselves is just building a merchant-focused business. And that's been part of our DNA since day one. The second thing that we've done to differentiate ourselves again is making very simple, using very simple technology to give merchants access to this supply chain. Because we believe that when you look at the people that are shipping these 50 kg of goods to Turkey, 40 kg of, of goods to, 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 to Canada and UK, etc., these are people, regular people that use Instagram and use TikTok and use Twitter every single day. So why does why does the booking process for supply chain or for or for international shipping have to be Tedious. Mm -hmm. Why does it have to look like a university? Why does it have to be like a university application form, right? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 to us, we said, look, you know, we have to do away with that belief that it has to be all bookish and serious. It is serious business, but it can be clean and simple, and it can be as simple as booking an Uber from your house to, to go to the mall, right? That's the plus. That's that's the sort of like product vision. And so we've used tech to make this to to make it as simple as possible that's one thing that i would say uh we've used to differentiate ourselves from from a lot of all the other players in in the market the third thing and the final thing again this mirrors my factors of success is that customer success obsession we are we are very painfully obsessive about making sure that our users have an amazing experience and and we just we just never let it go we don't we don't we never relent in, in, in that regard it's part of our core values to delight our users and 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 that's coming from again coming back to to the way the industry is set up a lot of people do not have a good experience when it comes to international shipping or even local shipping it's never it's hardly ever a good positive you know experience just in general and so people almost always expect that it's that it's going to be rocky and not transparent and not you know there's so many cliches that that, that, that go with this so for us in conquering that we've said look we're going to make that difference there's going to be a difference when you use top ship you're going to see the difference in the experience and the way we treat your business and you would want to come back because yes it's significantly better experience so those are the three things that i would say we've done to to need to make ourselves to differentiate ourselves in the market Okay, so how do you see the eco this, the industry evolving in let's say ten years? So one thing that I'll say that's definitely going to happen, and I think we're already starting to see that, is there'll be more way more collaboration within our industry than ever before. Um, and again, this is of course the catalyst for this is technology as a as a tool for business and a tool for change, right? So collaboration is definitely the key one, the key one that we're going to see significantly different. More players within our industry are going to be collaborating with each other and openly collaborating with each other. Uh, there's going to be a lot of collaboration ac across functions. So for example, certain players are, are more suited towards inland trucking. Certain people are more suited towards just port clearance. Certain people are more air freight below in certain kg. And then we'll see a lot more seamless collaboration across all these different pieces of the puzzle coming together to make things happen. I think that's definitely the future of our industry and, and that's that's definitely where we're placing our bets as a company is that in the next 10 years there's going to be 10 times more collaboration across on the supply side there's going to be more collaboration across the players in, in, within within the industry okay um now imagine that there are people who were who are the age you were when you started your first business right and they are looking into venturing into the logistics and shipping industry what advice would you give them 
something you wish someone told you way back yeah so if it's if if you're, if you're trying to get into this particular space the one thing that i'll say is um pick pick a lane and start there right and and what that means is the supply chain industry is is multifaceted it's not one thing right there's no all-inclusive supply chain business everyone says that but it doesn't exist right because you, there's so many layers there's first there's there's warehouse operations there's sourcing there's warehouse operations there's there's first mile there's mid mile there's last mile there's ocean effort uh there's 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 so many layers to this to these to this industry that you can't you can't do all right so i'll say pick pick a lane and start there and keep keep improving how you offer whatever service you offer you know every day and just keep putting it brick by brick right and and just as much as possible stay focused on that one lane and keep improving and try to dominate within that lane uh, don't try to do everything at once that's definitely the advice i'll give is of course use technology right don't 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 make the, the assumption of thinking that because things are a certain way today that in the next 10 years things will change bet on technology 100 even if the people in the market are saying oh we don't want to use this your solution because it's too difficult i'll still say better technology because you have to build for the future uh, and not for and not for the moment because in 10 years time those market people will be using technology right so so it's it's very important to make better technology but i'll definitely say pick a lane pick one segment of this of this multifaceted industry and and get get very good at solving problems within that segment and then use technology to your advantage. Those are the two things that I'll say. Is there an exciting update or upgrade from Topship in the pipeline? So, yeah, I mean, we're always working on, on amazing features. For, like I said, we're merchant focused. That's the number one thing about so We're merchant focused. So we're always working on amazing features for our, our users. And, of course, we're going to be coming out very soon with some new updates to the product and some where we've just launched a new campaign. And that's going to be coming out very, 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 very soon. One of the things that's the core benefits of using our platform is Topship gives you optionality and flexibility, especially with pricing. Right. So one of the one of the key things in decision making on, on international shipping is what shipping option do I use for a particular type of good? So, for example, if you're sending a luxury leather bag to Italy, you might want to buy insurance. You might want to pick, you know, an express option because it needs to get there faster, and it's and it's 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 expensive enough for you to afford to pay the expensive delivery option. You know, so you make the decision based on that, and then in certain instances, you might just want to send just some linen, some cheap linen to China, and you don't need to pay so much. Mm-hmm. Topship, you can make those decisions, and we make it very simple for you to make those decisions. So that's one thing that we're highlighting in this new campaign that we've just launched. And yeah, I think I think I think a lot of merchants are going, really going to find that find that find that useful and helpful. So of course, the big thing about us is we're always we're working we always work hard to make sure that we're giving our merchants the all the tools they need to succeed as, as an international business. And of course, that being our focus, flexible flexibility of pricing is 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 on top of that. So that's what that's really what we're pushing right now. Are you available for mentorship? Somebody says I want to learn from you. Is there any mentorship opportunity from Topship? So from Topship, so look, I mean, we're always open to hearing from amazing people, right? So I, I always say, if you have something to say, send me an email. And my email is public, right? So my LinkedIn. Um, my thoughts on mentorship are, you know, very, I think I, I personally don't believe in the traditional um, concepts of mentorship, which is you sort of sign an and unofficial SLA with someone for the person to be your mentor. My style is very different. My style is if you have a question you want to ask me, 
Just ask me the question, right? Send me an email saying, hey, Moses, this is where I am. I'm at a crossroads. I have this and this. What do you think? Right? Don't say, hey, Moses, I want you to be my mentor. Can we have coffee next Saturday? Like, so it's like, you also have to value my time, right? And, and your time as well, mm-hmm. right? So like my, my, my style is always, if you have a question, that's my style. Everyone else has their style. But my style is, if you have a question, shoot me an email, shoot us an email saying the question you want to have on that coffee chat. Don't send an email booking <laughs> a coffee chat. Yeah. So ask, ask that coffee co- chat question immediately, right? Because the mentorship relationship really is, is, is very symbiotic, right? So for example, if you say you want someone to mentor you, um, I think just go for what's the, what's the, what's the thing you want this person to help you with, ask them. And then if they tell you, you go and you do what they said, and then you can come back and say, Hey, I tried what you said, this was the result. And that's how you start mm-hmm. that back and forth. Yeah. And then that can evolve into an actual relationship as opposed to saying, okay, we've agreed to be mentors now. Okay. Congratulations. You're not my mentee. Oh yeah. What's next? I'm not a fan of that style. Exactly. <laughs> so it's very, it's very, you, you you, you listen to my advice, you take it or you don't take it, or you go and execute and then you come back with all the learnings and, and the problems that you face as an excuse. So I think that that's, that's, that's personally myself. I'm, what always, I'm always looking, I'm always open to paying it forward. Let me just state, always looking to, always open to paying it forward and helping people that need the help that I can provide. Mm-hmm. Right. But it has to, it, you also have to show that you're ready to, to, you know, so I, I think one of the ways you show that is by being very direct uh, my email is moses at topship.africa. Very easy. Moses at topship.africa. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? So yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just going to say, you know, if you're just just in general, topship as a business, we've put in a lot of work and we spent a lot of time thinking around um international deliveries for African businesses. And I'll say if you are an African business that's looking to expand or expand or grow and start start delivering what you sell to other parts of the other parts of the world, Topship is definitely a solution for you. And we're we're committed to growing with you uh, uh from day one. So I would say if you have this problem, if you have goods that you sell and you want to deliver to customers across the world, reach out to Topship. We're, we're definitely willing to help you. We'll definitely find a solution that works for you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Thank you very much. You've been really, you've been a good sport right here on Africa Tech Radio. You have been amazing. So thank you very much for going to be uh, on the show and uh, we hope to do business in the future. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.